It's just after 5 o'clock, and you are tuned in to KZMU Moab Community Radio. I'm Molly Marcello, your host of This Week in Moab this evening. I am here with a live in-studio guest, Chloe Wilson from Utah State University, the first instructor for the school's new welding program. Is that right, Chloe? Yes, that's correct. Okay, so tell us about how you you know came to welding and how you got this job. Um, so this is our first local welding program. Right. We're super excited about that. Um, I actually started welding in high school. I've always enjoyed working with my hands and making things. Um, Growing up, I would make dresses for my dolls. I made all my prom and homecoming dresses and stuff. And I wanted to explore a different medium to be able to create. So I decided to take a welding class in high school. And I just fell in love with it. Um, And I went on to attend Utah State University Eastern. Um, That's the only campus that welding has been available up until now. And I just really enjoyed the program. I loved the people there. Um, There's a lot of international welding champions that have come out of that program. So I went on to um, work in the industry for a few years. I worked in automation, built automated vehicles, um, built and repaired semi-trucks and camping trailers and built parts for those, and then worked in construction as well. So I built shipping container homes and apartments. There's actually an apartment complex in Salt Lake. It's six floors Um, tall and I helped with the construction with that Um, yeah and then worked in sheet metal fabrication as well and then my former instructor reached out to me and let me know about this welding program here in Moab and asked me to come teach so you got into welding because you obviously have an interest in like creative crafts and art do you find that that's also a pathway um, that people take to welding? Absolutely, yeah. Especially in Moab, um, I've noticed a lot of people interested in the arts and welding sculptures and things like that. And I've had the opportunity to meet with local metal artists who, um, Moab Art Trails is one of them. They're really good about bringing art into the community around welding. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, there's a ton of different career paths available for welders. Structural artwork is one of them. Mm -hmm. Um, You can become a pipe fitter, pipe welder, fabricator, welding inspector, Um, work in aerospace, spot welding, brazing, electric art welding, pressure vessels. So there's a huge range of reasons that people decide to learn how to weld anywhere from hobby welding to making a career out of it. This welding program at USU, you know, are are you helping basically set it up? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So So, tell us about that. Right. So it's an extension basically of the Price program. The Price program has been established for about 25 years, their welding program. Mm -hmm. Um, And up until now, that's been the only USU campus that has offered welding. Mm -hmm. But now we're expanding. And so um, USU Moab has had a presence here for a while. Mm -hmm. But with the new campus, they've been able to build new welding facilities and offer more trade programs there. So the welding program here in Moab is new, and then we're working on a blending one as well. So it's really exciting to help expand. Like, I I love the welding program in Price. The instructors are wonderful. There's small class sizes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been built in a really specific way to train people to be successful and enter the workforce successfully as welders. And I know the instructors there care a lot about their students and you know, creating successful students from that program. And so it's really exciting to help them expand that. Yeah. And what is it going to look like here in Moab? Or have you already started teaching? So our classes start spring semester. I've spent this whole semester setting up the shop. There's been some retrofitting and changes that need to be made in establishing the shop. 
Um, and then spring semester, I'll be teaching three classes. The first is beginning TIG. The second is fabrication. So students can come in and learn how to make stuff and work on their own projects in the class. And then the third is blueprint reading for welders. Okay. And do all three of these sort of go in conjunction with each other? Or, you know, how, how do people get into the welding program, basically? Yeah, great question. You can actually come take a class at any time. Okay. Um, you don't have to start during a specific semester. Mm-hmm. So people can start this spring, people can start in the fall. You can take one class or you can do our entire certificate program. And our certificate program is 23 credit hours of welding and then nine of general education classes. So it just depends on what you're interested in um, and what you want to specialize in through our program. Okay. And so can non-traditional students apply? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I've been very interested in setting up the program to make it specifically friendly for non-traditional students. I know here in Moab and everywhere, um, there's a lot of people that are working full time to support their family, but they're also interested in picking up a new skill or learning Mm -hmm. a new trade. And so I want our program to be super accommodating to that. It's important to me that people are able to um, still work full time if they need to and support their families while also being able to take night classes. All of our welding classes run from 2 o'clock to 7 p.m. So they're very friendly to those who are working full time. Right. And listeners, if you're just tuning in, um, we're speaking with Chloe Wilson from Utah State University in Moab. She's the school's first instructor for the new welding program. Sounds like classes are starting in the spring. You know, you talked about your path to welding. You had a high school class. What about people here in Moab? What are you expecting as far as like your students? If someone is listening to this program or reading about the welding program, like can they just do it? in their off hours? Can they, um, you know, could they find a new career in welding? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm expecting a whole range of students. I'm okay. expecting um, students that are just looking to pick up a new skill, just learn some basics so that they can weld at home or mm-hmm. weld on the side and just have it in their back pocket. It's a great skill to just pick up and learn. Um, and then also I'm expecting some students that plan on creating a career in welding and pursuing it full time for the long term and a whole range of students in between. Yeah, there's a need for 336,000, to be specific, new welding professionals by 2026. And that's according to the American Welding Society. Can you talk about that? Yeah, there's a huge deficit for welders in this industry. Um, Welders are aging out of this industry really quickly. The average elder welder is 55 years old and they're Mm -hmm. retiring. Um, and we don't have enough of a workforce, enter, enough skilled yeah. welders entering the workforce to replace that. Yeah. And so there's expected to be a nationwide deficit, yeah, by 2024. So mm-hmm. we're excited to help people enter that workforce, um, become trained and skilled in, the, in welding right. um, to replace those workers leaving this industry. Now, is this an industry that will become automated or are you expecting that, you know, no, there you need individual humans with skills to do this job? <laughs> yeah, that's a giant discussion for sure in the welding industry. Right. Um, automated welding does have a place in the welding industry, and I do expect that to become more and more common. Um, we're seeing a lot more automated options for welding in this mm-hmm. industry. Um, but I do believe that there's a huge sector of this industry that can't be replaced with automation 
Um, automation can be really cost. I mean, I've worked in automation, mm. so and I've worked in welding. Mm-hmm. So automation can be really costly. A lot of upfront upfront mm-hmm. costs that smaller companies probably won't be able to afford. Mom pop shops. Um, there's a lot of specialty one-off welding projects that it would probably take more time to program an automated welder to run the welds mm-hmm. than to just do it yourself. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of areas that are really difficult to reach for automated welders. Um, they just have a lot of constraints. And then with any automated system, there's a lot of R&D required, which again is very costly. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I do. I expect automation to replace some elements of the welding industry, but definitely not all of them. Yeah, and it sounds like where welders are needed is pretty vast and wide. Is yeah, that right? absolutely. Yeah, what kind of, I know you mentioned this earlier, but like what kind of industries need welders? Um, yeah, great question. So some of the big ones are pipe welding. That's very lucrative. That's needed all across the nation. Production welding, um, a lot more things require welding than you might expect. Mm-hmm. So production welding is a hu- huge umbrella that encompasses a lot of industries. Um, soldering and brazing for electronic parts, Um, welding inspectors, metal fabricators in general, aviation, so a lot of aerospace welding, spot welders, um, journeyman welders, pressure vessel welders. Mm. Um, It's it's really really cool because most industries that you can think of involve welding in some way. So there's a huge span of um, careers that you can pursue within this industry. Now, um, you know, I want to ask because you are the first instructor at USU Moab um, in the welding program. You're also a woman, which is different in this industry, right? Yeah. Um, You know, it sounds like 90% or over 90% of welders are men. Yeah. So tell me about, you know, being a woman in this industry. Yeah, that's a really good question. (laughs) It's definitely uncommon. I... I had the good fortune of being able to train alongside some women at USU Eastern Mm -hmm. um, in their welding program, but I've never professionally welded with another woman, Mm -hmm. and I've been in multiple shops. And, um, yeah, I'm definitely an oddball there. Um, But I do believe women have a place in this industry, and people tell me that all the time. Women have very fine motor skills. We like making things look pretty, which is a big element of being able to create a successful weld. Mm -hmm. We're detail-oriented. There's a lot of reasons that women do make good welders, and I'd like to see more women being able to enter this workforce. And I hope that my program gives them an opportunity to pursue welding. Yeah, you mentioned, you know, before we got on the air that you're hoping to do some workshops for women in welding. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. We're planning on doing a women in welding workshop sometime in the spring. Mm -hmm. Right now we're exploring funding options for that to make it as accessible and affordable as possible. Because I'd like women in this community specifically um, to to be able to interact with welding and learn how to weld in a way that isn't scary or intimidating. A lot of, I hear from women all the time that they're intimidated to enter this industry or they chose not to take classes in high school because they saw primarily men in this industry and they didn't see themselves represented and they didn't see them like a space for themselves in this industry. And so I hope those workshops can change that. Yeah, you know, I think any type of representation that women can see, you know, you being an instructor in this class will certainly might attract some women from our community to take those workshops or, you know, take classes or all the classes in welding. I hope so. Yeah. Well, thank you, Chloe. Um, Now, I know you brought a list of things that you wanted to get to, so I want to make sure that we're not forgetting anything. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 
Um, a few things I'd like to cover are the certificate program is one year long. Okay. The total cost for the program is $2,850, which is extremely affordable compared to other colleges. Mm-hmm. We're, um, we're proud to be the lowest priced tech college in Utah. Wow. Um, I mean, our tech programs. Mm-hmm. And there's also a lot of funding available. So if financial aid is a constraint, if you're considering college, we have a lot of um, scholarships available. The Utah State Legislator allocated 90000 for tech ed scholarships in Moab, Price, and Blanding for this school year. Um, students can apply every semester. Scholarships range from 250 to $1,000. And every student that applied for a tech ed scholarship this year received funding. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So if if finances are a concern, um, but you want to enter this program, we have lots of scholarships available there. Um, We covered the classes that are being offered spring semester, but I'd like to bring them up again. Beginning TIG is one of them. That's also known as GTAW or HeliArc. And what does that mean? Yeah, good question. So it stands for gas tungsten arc welding. Um, It's my favorite welding process, but it's also the most difficult to learn. Um, You're you're controlling a lot of variables. Um, It's a really clean process, but you have to be really detail-oriented to operate it effectively. Mm. Um, It's used a lot in aerospace manufacturing. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of food-grade products are made with TIG, Mm. um, just really specialized, clean welding. Okay. All right, we got beginning TIG. Right. right. And then blueprint reading is another one. So this is a good class if you want to learn how to read a blueprint as a welder. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of blueprints for manufacturing, anything that you'd like to build, this is a good class for that. Sure. And then we also have a fabrication class where students can come in and learn ba- basic fabrication, how to make stuff out of metal, and then they'll be able to work on their own projects throughout the semester as well. So the USU Moab welding program, this is part of the career and technical education side of USU. Do you, you know, I hate to put you on the spot, but what are the other programs <laughs> that we have from CTE? Yeah, good question. Um, so we have a really good automotive program that's mm-hmm. available. Mm-hmm. Uh, our Moab campus, the main three that are available are welding, automotive, and nursing. We have a lot of nursing programs. Mm-hmm. I, I wish I could tell you more details yeah. about it, but... Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, if you're interested in any nursing programs, contact USU directly, and we have a lot of people available to help students sign up for that. And then, how do people get more information about welding? Should they contact USU? Should they contact you? Yeah, you can come stop by the school at any time. We have lots of people available that are friendly and helpful that can get you signed up. You can come tour the shop. Um, if you don't have time to stop by, there's an email that you can reach out to. It's moab.tech at usu.edu. One more time, that's moab.tech at usu.edu with any questions about our program or how to get started. Amazing. Well, thank you, Chloe, so much for being here. You know, one last question. You have a a full-on career in welding. Tell me what you enjoy about it. Why do you keep going in this industry? I say this all the time, but it's, I have to pinch myself sometimes because it feels like I shouldn't be allowed to have this much fun at work. (laughs) Like (laughs) it feels, it's just a really fun career. Mm -hmm. Um, It's fun because I enjoy building things and creating things with my hands. Mm -hmm. And so I just get to show up and do that every day. And I've experienced a wide variety in my work, which mm-hmm. I enjoy as well. Mm-hmm. There's always a challenge with welding. It's a lot of fun because you get to build and create and see the fruits of your labor come to life. 
you know, when I first um, met you at the science... Yeah, Moab Science Science Festival. I almost called it something totally different. Yeah, they were doing a demonstration event at the middle school, and you had, like, a virtual welder... Um, set up and I thought that was really cool too yeah it's a cool it's a cool way to get people excited about Mm -hmm. welding and make it accessible it's very kid friendly Mm -hmm. it's kind of like a video game virtual reality (laughs) welding um, to get people exposed to it in a safe way so yeah, yeah that was a really fun event and we were excited to be a part of it I know I was slightly disappointed that you didn't have like all the fire and, you know, <laughs> that's metal the fun part and, right right yeah <laughs> all that cool stuff um yeah. well thank you so much Chloe anything else to say yeah just one more thing um we have a we have a career and technical um tech ed open house available it's on Wednesday December 7th next week from four o'clock to 7.30. So you can come and check out the shop, check out our programs, um, get more information on those and sign up there if you'd like as well. That's next week, December 7th? Yeah, Wednesday, December 7th at four o'clock to 7.30. Well, thank you so much for coming on the airwaves and telling us about the welding program and CTE at USU. We really appreciate it, Chloe. Absolutely, thank you for your time. Next, uh, we are going to hear from Caitlin Myers and Laura Harris, who are deeply involved in housing here in Moab. Um, They're both from the Moab Area Housing Task Force, and they are hosting a three-part housing series this winter to educate members of the community about important and exciting updates that have been occurring around housing in the last couple of years. Um, The first one is coming up this coming Monday, so Monday, December 5th, um, from 4 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. at the mark. Laura and Caitlin stopped by KZMU earlier today. They had to go to a planning commission meeting this evening, but they stopped by KZMU earlier this afternoon to tell us about the first ever housing fair. So here's Caitlin and Laura. Thank you, Caitlin and Laura, for being here. Do you all mind starting off introducing yourselves for the listeners? Sure. So my name is Laura Harris. Um, I'm the development specialist at the Housing Authority, and I am also the chair of the Moab Area Housing Task Force. I'm Caitlin Myers. I'm the executive director of the Moab Area Community Land Trust and am the vice chair of the Housing Task Force. All right, so you two think a lot about housing in the Moab community. Um, Where does that show up in your day-to-day jobs? Can you give us a rundown of what you focus on with housing? Because, I mean, you two are are pretty much, you know, engulfed in it. Fully engulfed. Fully engulfed. (laughs) Caitlin, maybe we'll start with you since um, the land trust is is kind of a big deal. Sure. Um, Yeah. So my day-to-day is managing the build-out of Arroyo Crossing, uh, which is our, if you're not familiar with it, it's a... 300-unit subdivision out in Spanish Valley that we are developing. We're partnering with the Housing Authority, Community Rebuilds, and and Territorial Land Company um, as our primary builders right now. Um, And so my day-to-day is managing relationships with developers. We now actually have 17 occupied units at Arroyo Crossing, which is super exciting. So I'm... um, building relationships with our homeowners and just dealing with general land maintenance as things come up out there. And, um, you know, there's apartments coming? Yeah. Uh, the Housing Authority received an award of low-income housing tax credits 
earlier this year, I believe in September, they found out. Uh, so they will be building a 32-unit apartment complex next year that's going to be called Skyline Arch Apartments. Okay, so Laura from the Housing Authority, tell us yes. about that project, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I definitely have a little bit of a wider breadth than just the land trust, but right now um, it's super exciting because our biggest focus right now is with the land trust. Um, so I would say right now I'm really working on just the very initial plans of Skyline Arch, which like Caitlin gave a great introduction to, but um, you know, right now we're just working on the nitty gritty like civil engineering plans mm-hmm. and site plans. So, mm-hmm. you know, we won't actually be seeing anything off the ground for a few months, but it's been really exciting to be able to know that we're providing um, affordable rental units um, in the near future because apartments are always needed and especially in Moab. Right. So, um, you know, Caitlin mentioned that the Housing Authority is one of the developers on the land trust. The Housing Authority also does a lot more, too. Can you tell us about what you do in your day to day? Yeah. So um, my day to day kind of changes all the time. Um, I've definitely had a hand recently in the finishing of our nine homes that we just completed with the self-help program um, at the Land Trust and also working on um, getting 10 more new homeowners qualified for the next round of self-help homes. Um, I also am working on um, applying for grants for new funding and just being able to um, increase the affordability um, within the Moab area. Tell us about what's coming up. This is the housing fair. This is why you guys are here, (laughs) to tell me about the housing fair. Um, This is the first time that Grand County and Moab have had a housing fair. So what is it? Um, What can people expect? Can you give us some details? Yeah. So outside of our regular, you know, nine to five jobs that Caitlin and I hold, um, we also oversee the Moab Area Housing Task Force, which is a group of a bunch of different organizations and local staff and officials um, who are also all involved in some regard in the housing mm-hmm. realm. And so um, we meet once a month and talk about issues and provide recommendations for our city and county of how we can improve um, kind of the affordable housing world. Mm-hmm. And one of the big tenets of um, our mission is to educate the general public about what's going on in housing. And so that was really the impetus of the Moab Housing Fair, which is on Monday, December 5th from 4 to 6.30 p.m. So we have a whole um, host of different segments geared towards um, businesses and the general public. So, Caitlin, do you want to share a little bit about what the actual event is going to look like? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So it's going to be at the mark. Um, We're taking over the mark for this whole housing fair. Um, So we're starting off at four with a discussion about workforce housing, inviting in city and county officials. We will be there kind of representing both the housing task force and nonprofits. Um, And we're inviting local businesses, whether you're a business owner or you work for business and you need, you are involved with or you're considering trying to build workforce housing, we are having a discussion, kind of a roundtable, to 
talk about some of the things that are working, some of the things that are not working, just trying to get, we, we know that there are a lot of businesses that are starting to provide workforce housing. And mm-hmm. we know that there are even more businesses that are saying, we really want to do this. We don't even know where to begin. We don't have time to. So we're trying to mm-hmm. kind of start more conversations, bring more people together to start, you know, really discussing ideas. So uh, that's going to be from four to five. Okay. And um, is that like like an open house drop in or? Absolutely. Yeah. That, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that that's anyone, whether you have or have not built workforce housing, we would love for you to be there if you are interested in being in part of that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going till five. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from five to five thirty, we're just kind of, you know, inviting people in, doing a little mingling. We're going to have dinner. Uh, mm-hmm. kind of appetizers we're gonna have food there um and we'll have uh, a bunch of community partners tabling on the housing resources that they provide to this community um, and we're gonna have uh, we're gonna be taking feedback on the housing plan so the housing task force right now is working on updating the moab area affordable housing plan um, so we, we will be taking feedback on the action plan included in that. So asking the public, what are your priorities? What do you want to see Moab City, Grand County? Mm. Um, what do you want to see the priorities and the action steps over the next five years? Mm-hmm. Um, so we're really excited about that. That's going to be kind of ongoing um, yes. throughout the workshop. And then... At 5.30, uh, we are going to have a presentation from city and county officials to talk about everything that's going on in housing, mm. um, just kind of get a, a brief update, kind of facilitate a little bit of a Q&A mm-hmm. about what the city and county have done over the last couple of years, kind of educate the public, kind of give them space to talk about what they're doing now, and to facilitate a conversation about um you know, what comes next, what their priorities are hmm. as they move forward. Because there's been, I mean, you know, but mm-hmm. there, there's been a lot that's happening and there's still a lot in the pipeline and a lot to come. So, yeah, that's great. I was um, working on a story today, Monday, <laughs> on the alternative dwelling overlay. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to list out all the recent projects that Grand County specifically has been a part of. And I was mm-hmm. like, you know what? Let me skip this. <laughs> there's there's yeah. too many for me to list out. Um, are there any off the top of your head between Grand County and Moab City, just to give people people an idea of like what um has been worked on i think the alternative dwelling overlay was a a huge win Mm -hmm. to just work on targeting that population Mm -hmm. that we know is ever present here in moab um using alternative you know vehicles or forms of living so that's a huge win um in terms of the city um earlier this summer they passed the um active employment ordinance right yeah um and i'm really excited to see how that's going to be in effect um now that it's been a few months and how the city can kind of keep maintaining that standard um and seeing it really evolve in a good way um for our local workforce to have um housing opportunities yeah So it sounds like, you know, this housing fair, which is um, a project of the housing task force, is one way to connect with 
you know, some business owners specifically who might be wondering how they can provide their workers with housing or support housing. What about, you know, community members who just want to know what's up with housing? Yeah, I think so. uh, This housing fair is, I mean, it is to provide a general overview of, you know, Mm -hmm. little snippets of everything related to housing, especially on a high level um, for local community members who just want to know, you know, what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are, this housing fair is kicking off a housing series. So over the next few months, we will, this is not our only opportunity to have a community event. So in January, we're going to have an event at the middle school that is focused more on housing resources and information for families and people that mm-hmm. are you know mm-hmm. looking to apply for affordable housing, mm-hmm. need resources to kind of figure out how to navigate that world. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also talking about doing a workshop about how to build an ADU, mm. um, which I think most people are really interested in. You know, that that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And would be targeting, you know, largely homeowners right. who, mm-hmm. who might have extra land in their backyard or have mm-hmm. an extra basement area that um, they could convert to an ADU, um, but just don't know how to. Right. So we're looking forward to that. And so I feel like with the three different events, this is just the kickoff of let's invite everybody. Um, let's all get on the same page and um, have conversations and then um, be able to break off in the next couple of months and target different groups. Um, mm. Does, yeah. yeah. Did the housing task force see sort of a gap in education or communication around certain things like ADU updates? Local government bodies pass these ordinances, but the information might not reach the people that it's intended to unless they get the word out. Is that sort of what's, what the task force is trying to do with these series? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Definitely. And we might be biased because we're very in the you know we always yeah. know what's happening so right. of course we're trying to find the best ways to be able to reach out to folks and right. um pass mm-hmm. along the the all the good progress that has been happening um over the last couple of years okay amazing so the housing fair is on monday from when again laura four to six thirty at the mark at the mark and it is kicking off like a housing series so there'll be more workshops and public events to come anything else to say about this fair in particular and what people should expect or why they should consider going i think partially to find out but i i think a, a big thing that we're looking for is if you have questions, if you are feeling really frustrated mm. or really hopeless, this is your opportunity to say, this is what I need. Mm-hmm. You know, this is your opportunity to give feedback to the housing task force, to city mm-hmm. and county and say, listen, th- these things about affordable housing, I don't understand. These are really hard. Mm-hmm. This is These are the priorities that I see for the city and county as they move forward. You know, I don't care about ADUs, actually. <laughs> All I really care about mm-hmm. is apartments or right, you know that yeah. this mm-hmm. is kind of your opportunity What's being done right? yeah. yeah 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 okay yeah. To, sh- so. to share to give your opinion and also like learn from it sounds like people who are on the ground with housing every day totally yep. exactly okay now you did mention that the housing task force is updating the housing plan can yes. you talk about the timeline on that or yeah <laughs> yeah so the um affordable housing plan is kind of a governing document that gets adopted by both the city and the county um and so it provides recommendations and kind of the status right now of what affordable housing is looking like um within moab and so 
the housing task force has been working basically this whole year to update it and the last time it was updated was in 2017 so certainly a lot has changed since then so it's been quite a project that we've been tackling um but after we get recommendations and feedback um about the action plan which is kind of like Mm -hmm. obviously as it as the name says um the actionable part of the plan of saying, okay, this is the most important thing that we have to Mm. focus on in regards to affordable housing. Um, So we just have a few more sections that we're kind of polishing up. So I'm I'm hopeful that the um, updates will be done maybe end of winter. Um, So that's a little bit of a vague answer, but... End of winter (laughs) still seems pretty close, right? So maybe February, maybe March. Okay. Hopefully. Hopefully. We've had some dedicated (laughs) task forcers um, working on it, but of course, you know, the housing world is quite busy, so... Right. um, Yeah. Yeah. But an important document, of course, because I know it does get used um, by the task force and also others, so... Yes. Great. Absolutely. Well, thank you, too, for being here. Thank you so much. Um, Anything else you feel like mentioning about housing in our community before we go? No. I do want to point out that (laughs) Caitlin is wearing housing earrings. (laughs) Yeah. So you must be very dedicated. I am. Um, I would love to get a a shout out to my housing earrings from Rumpus Room. (laughs) They're a local earring maker in town. Mm -hmm. Um, And they they do 15% of their profits towards nonprofits Mm -hmm. in the community. Um, and they donated their proceeds to Mackle a couple of months ago. So I proudly wear the housing earrings. Well, thank you. Thank you, too. Thanks, Molly. That's uh, Caitlin Myers and Laura Harris. Um, Caitlin is from the Moab area community land trust and laura is from the housing authority of southeastern utah they're both from the housing task force they were um, chatting with me earlier today about the first ever housing fair which is coming up monday december 5th from 4 p.m to 6 30 p.m at the mark sounds like lots of information about housing specifically related to any local business owners interested in contributing to housing or finding solutions Um, for their employees. There will be more um, housing workshops ahead this winter from the Moab Area Housing Task Force. And I think if you follow the Housing Authority of Southeastern Utah on Facebook, you can get more information or call them up. Let them know that you're interested in (laughs) knowing more about what they're up to. You've been tuned into This Week in Moab. I'm Molly Marcello. You can find an archive of this show at kzmu.org under the Programs tab. Um, We'll also have part of it up on our Public Affairs podcast later this week. Stay with us. Stay with us.